life without Jesus. We've been talking about life without Jesus uh, for the last few Sundays. That sounds like a terrible thing to talk about in church, Uh, but I did, but I did. The last few weeks have not been talking about Jesus, it's been talking about us and uh, what a mess we are and how uh, we are truly sinful. Uh, So what do you think about Ukraine? Uh, Okay, yeah, what do you think about Ukraine? Uh, did, did any of you get like agitated in your soul when you uh, watch things and see things and hear things? I do. Um, maybe we could do it together sometime. We could just be agitated together. Uh, yeah. So, so I think about Ukraine. I think about Russia. I got. I think I shared with you a few weeks ago. I got to travel there, and so when I think of Ukraine, Kiev, I think of places that I got to see there and Russia as well and the common people of those nations. Um, and I think about our, the U.S. involvement in Ukraine. Might want to check in on that. Um, we're not good people. And uh, I think sometimes we think we are and we're not. And as a country, and you have Ukraine, Russia. And then how many of you think about China when you think about these other countries and realize that China is talking to Russia and that makes everyone nervous. And uh, then you think of China, you think of Taiwan, right? Taiwan, uh, the island out there. Um, I grew up next to uh, my neighbor growing up. It's kind of a hard thing to say, but she's an older lady, but her parents lived right next door to us, sold us the house that I lived in. She was a missionary to Taiwan, and so I grew up knowing about Taiwan because when she would come home, and uh, she was kind of a pen pal to me, and uh, yeah. And then, of course, Germany, they're in Europe. I just wanted to put that in there. And then uh, Israel. Um, I don't know if you know this, but uh, a lot of people from Ukraine have been exiting Ukraine and going back to Israel, um, Jews. And so you look at that, and man, it's just a mess, just a mess. And uh, I think about, like, how do you gain comfort and confidence and strength when you see things? And, and how many of you want to fix things? Like, you want to fix world problems? Just wait by your phone. Wait by your phone. They're going to call. <laughs> no, they're not. I mean, there's maybe a couple of people in the church they'd call, but not, it's probably not you, okay? Uh, they're not going to call. Not to burst your bubble. Yesterday, <clears throat> moving on to a different issue. Yesterday, I, uh, you know, sometimes you, you don't get any more firsts. The older you get, you don't do any more firsts because you've done everything. Yesterday, I did a memorial service for a husband and wife. And uh, they died weeks apart, but at the same time. And so I did a, a service, a memorial service for them. Many of you know the Klofenstein family. And uh, yeah, just celebrating their life, their life in Christ, uh, celebrating their legacy of uh, entrusting the gospel to the next generation. Uh, and they are a clan of people. Some of you know who they are, the Klofensteins. And then uh, in town here, there's the Mendez family as well as the Heiner family. They're all somehow related. There's this weird, like, family tree that kind of goes through Tehachapi many times. So, um, yeah, and to be with that family and to try to comfort them in these days. And then there's me. 
Um, a 53-year-old guy who still struggles with life, um, not a guy who's in control by any means, uh, but one who desperately needs his Savior and Lord today. And so uh, as I come to you today, I, I know that sometimes we worry about things out there. We worry about things, relationships right here, but we also worry about things right here. And so as we uh, come to God's word this morning, um, we come to a passage, as I shared before, for weeks we've looked at the sinfulness of man. And some of you have just been wincing. You've been wincing as I've been preaching. You've been going, no, no, Pastor, get to the good stuff where I'm good. Uh, We're not going to get there today, by the way. I mean, we kind of are, but we're kind of not, you know, um, uh, we have been talking about the sinfulness of man, not the goodness of man, not the goodness of man. Uh, when somebody asks about your spiritual life, some of, some of us respond with, well, I do, I do my best. I do my best. And I, I try really hard. And, I, you know, I, I, I go to church sometimes. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, you know I, I, I do good stuff. You, you want to talk about good stuff that you do. But for the last few weeks, we've been looking at the sinfulness of man, not the goodness of man. Um, and what, is, what does that mean? Well, it means drunkenness, being an adulterer, lying, stealing, being proud, being proud, being gossips, being greedy, being self-righteous, etc., put etc on the end because there's probably a longer list and some of you thought you dodged that list right there and I just wanted to include you and I want to remind you that last few weeks we've we've been looking at the sinfulness of man both Jews and Greeks or Jews and non-Jews and uh, there was no Jesus in there these passages there was no Christ who went to the cross who took our place And Paul has relentlessly uh, laid the foundation of the depravity of all of us. And so we can begin this section that we're going to begin today. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you uh, Romans chapter 3, starting at verse 21, going down through the end of the chapter. God's word says this, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he has passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the, at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has put his faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of of law? By the law of works? No, but by the law of faith. We hold that one is justified uh, 
For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Where is God, the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since God is the one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means, on the contrary, we uphold the law. God, thank you for this morning, and I do ask that you would uh, do a great work in us, that we would uh, know for certain that our guilt is taken care of, that we are righteous. God, help us to understand the goodness of your gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning, uh, we're going to go through an incredible passage, an incredibly important passage theologically. There's some words in there we don't use um, in our culture today. Uh, They're just theological words. They mean something. They're important, uh, but rarely do we say them in everyday life. And so we're going to try to understand those words in context and this important passage. passage when it comes to the gospel. This is the good news. And, and I want to tell you, this is an important day for you. This is an important day for you. And I, I, not just a day, but like the reason the importance of the day is you're here at church and we're going through this great passage. And so for you to get these things firmly planted in your mind, um, might be a critical day for you, especially those of you who are fuzzy about what it is to be saved. Verse 21, and we're looking at righteous, righteous through Jesus, righteous through Jesus. And, and I say the word righteous, uh, I, I want you to know it's the idea of being right with God, right before him, that your life, all the things that you do say, think, whatever, that your life is right with God. And, and I know that sounds pretty intense because it is. It's the idea of sinful man being right with a holy God. And that seems impossible. Verse 21. Verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested, has been shown. That word manifested, like revealed. The curtain has been pulled back. But now righteousness of God, the idea that Uh, in God, as God sees things, righteousness has been revealed or manifested, okay? And how is it manifested? Apart from the law, apart from the law. Now, uh, as a Jewish person would think about this all the time, they would look at the law and they would know it to be his righteous law. Most of the time, they would think of the Ten Commandments, but even the idea of the law was much grander than that of the Old Testament, other teachings as well. And so as they would look at it, they would say, well, how does one become righteous? And they say, well, I got to do all those things. I got to do all those things. Now, we've already gone over this. How do we do all those things? What's the answer? Not very well. Doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Greek or any, like the idea of keeping all the Old Testament law. Uh, if you're honest with yourselves, especially as you look to the book of Matthew, as Jesus reinterpreted some of the heart of those Ten Commandments, you realize that that 
we're sinners. That's what he's gone on for the first couple of chapters. He's talked about this over and over again. You're a sinner. You're guilty. And, and so when he talks about the righteousness of God being right before God, there's this tug in a, a person's heart. They go, I want to be righteous. I want to be thought of as righteous. I want to think in my own heart of me being a good person, and yet I've already gone through the book of Romans, and it doesn't seem like I am. And it's true. Paul has laid out truth. He's been relentless, but he's put the foundation. Paul has laid the foundation both for the, the Greek, the, the person of Rome that just walks the streets, that, that you know, they go in all kinds of different sins and then he talks about those Jews and thinking that they're right and yet are not. And now he says, now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. And and what he's starting to reveal here is this. There's another way for you to be righteous. There's another way. It's, It's still righteous and there's another way that's being revealed, that, that's being shown and has been shown. And it's apart from the law. It's not through the law. And, and, and he goes on to say, although the law and prophets bear witness to it, meaning that what is being talked about and shared is being pointed to from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Um, it's, it's not that it is different. It's that the law and prophets bear witness of this very thing in the law this new righteousness that's apart from the law. Verse 22, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Through faith in Jesus Christ. How is this uh, different way that's manifested now? It's through Jesus Christ. It's through him. As you think, of, uh, sometimes refers to Jesus as by his name, Jesus. And sometimes by his a functional title from the Old Testament, Messiah, Christ, really focusing on his work on the cross, his work that he came to do, his crowning achievement in uh, the plan of God was going to the cross and dying and rising from the dead. So we see now that this faith, uh, how can you be righteous? It's by faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. I think it's interesting, and he's putting a lot of terms in here because he wants us to really think it through. It's faith in Christ for those who believe. It's the idea that it's, uh, it's entrusting us to them, but also it's not just a, um, a, an idea that we've been educated about Jesus, but we've trusted him and we continue in belief in him. He is our answer for our unrighteousness. He goes back because he's been going back and forth between the Jews and the Greeks and he says, for there is no distinction. Um, This morning, in a shepherding sort of way, with all the love of a pastor, I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the son of a pastor. I don't care if you grew up on the mission field. I don't care if you've been confirmed. I don't care if you're really good at Bible trivia. 
I don't care if you've earned this award or that award, went to this school or that school. Uh, There's no distinction for the gospel for us. This distinction, uh, some would say, well, I'm a Jew, or, or this is my nationality, or this is my family. There's no distinction. This is the answer for everyone. So we first see righteousness through Jesus. Righteousness through Jesus. We get down to verse 23, and you see justified by Jesus. Justified by Jesus. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. A very important verse when you think through the gospel, right? Uh, And it's like Paul can't let it go. It's not that Paul can't let it go. God doesn't want to let it go. Because we, we struggle with this whole idea that we're sinful. He's already talked about us being sinful, both Jews and Greeks. And Germans and Mexicans and those people from Ireland that we celebrated them in some weird way this week. Um, for all, for all have sinned. For all have sinned. And it's, it's this reiteration of the depravity of man, the idea that we are all, all, all sinners. As you... Uh, ponder that I think it's important for us to not let it go in our own heart as well at a conversation with one after last service and or last week and they said am I a sinner or am I redeemed and I said well sometimes you should refer to yourself as a sinner and other times you should refer to yourself as redeemed Paul did said he was the chief of sinners right when he wrote to uh many of the churches, what did he say? To the saints. Some of you ex-Catholics, that just, you just can't get there, right? To the saints. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a saint. You say, it doesn't really look that way. He's working on you, okay? You are positionally a saint and he is gonna take you to heaven and perfect you. So what are we? I wanna tell you, I want you to get this that we should never forget our sinfulness. Never forget our sinfulness in light of the gospel. Uh, For all have sinned. It it is an important fact of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news is that we are sinners. All are not right. All are not right. Couldn't leave it alone. Uh, uh, One writer said this, it's the human tragedy. It's the human tragedy. And it's not just for one person that it's a tragedy. It's not a tragic story that somebody else can tell. It's a tragic story that you can tell. That I am a sinner. So the second point I'm getting at, and it's an important one, justified by Jesus. We move on. Um, As you look at verse 23, 23, we're reminded that we are all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. Meaning this, that our sinfulness, our sinfulness, um, it, it, it's this weird thing. As you think about the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter one and two and three and how it all works out in the fall of man, there's this thing that God wanted to share with us. It's his glory, 
in perfection that he wanted to share this perfection and living uh, that they had in the garden somehow. It's not that Adam and Eve were God, uh, but they had this perfection uh, that he wanted to share. It's his life uh, and the world like God intended it. But what happened? Sin entered the world. And as sin entered the world, uh, it says that Adam fell. Adam fell. Adam and Eve get kicked out of the garden. They were now in sin, not in Christ. And so they no longer shared that glory, uh, that intention uh, that God had for the world. And, and that's true for us as well, right? It says we fall short. We fall short. Humans have not attained glory. In fact, there's not a chance of them attaining glory. It's it's this falling short, and uh, sometimes that gives us the impression that we were close. (laughs) Close? You were not close. I was not close to attaining all that God has in his glory. Not a chance. We are left short. But, but remember, what's this passage talking about? A different way. A different way apart from the law. And it says apart from the law, and it's not like a second, oh, I'll take this, I'll, I'll take the law away. No, nobody can take the law away. Because we are all found sinners when it comes in regards to the law. In fact, the, the law only shows us our sinfulness. It shows us how sinful we are. But listen to this, and as we move, move on in this amazing passage, verse 24, it, it says we're short of the glory of God, verse 23, and, and, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. He, he puts a few important words there, justified, justified, uh, and also grace, and also redemption. Uh, Let's get this. Let's get this very importantly. So justified is the idea, it it goes back to things not being right. Um, When you think of your checkbook, right? Things not being right. Uh, How do I get this thing that I'm in the, you know, I'm in the negative? How do I make this right? Because that's what we are, right? If we're sinful, we're in the negative. How, do, uh, how does an unrighteous person become righteous? They're justified. They're justified. They're made right. Well, how do you make... make most of us quickly say this. Oh, I'll, I'll just fix it. I'll just fix it. I will make it right. I will make it whole. I want to tell you, the, the extent of your sinful life is out of your reach to correct. And so we have this passage that really doesn't talk much about us in the sense of it's only what is given to us. As you look at this, what what is he saying? He's saying that we are justified. We are made righteous. We are not righteous. There is a righteousness of God, but we don't have it. We are made righteous. How is that? Verse twenty. Uh, four, we are justified by his grace. I hope you know what grace is. I hope you know what grace is. 
It's that God loved us when we were unlovable. That he gave us not what we deserved, but what his love inspired. He loved us when we were unlovable. Some of us said the unmerited favor, the idea that we deserve something else. And he gave us grace or his love, his kindness. We are justified by his grace as a gift. This is one of Paul's favorite things. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's not an earned gift. It's a gift. It's something that he gave to us. He gave to us through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That word redemption, uh, I want to tell you, is one of my favorite words. It's, it gives the pictures in the Bible, it gives the pictures of being lost in slavery. He's going to talk about this over and over again in the book of Romans. Lost in slavery. And you can picture, most of you are pretty wealthy, free people. You are. Uh, and if you don't know that, you haven't been around much. Uh, we live a, a great life here in the United States, in the great state of California, in Kern County, in Tehachapi. We love it here. Um, but this idea of being a slave and being lost in slavery and, and stuck there and can't get out and can't buy my way out, can't find my way out, I'm stuck here permanently. And so this word redemption is the idea of the cost of loosing. That's the Greek, that's the way this word loosing, I remember hearing this over and over in Greek and I was like, nobody says loosing. It's, it's freeing. It's, it's taking the, the, the ropes or the chains or the shackles and getting rid of them. But it's the cost to do that. And when you see the word redeemed or redemption or sometimes it's translated ransomed, you, you think about the cost, the cost. And what was the cost? It was Jesus, the redemption that was found in him. As you think about your life and the things that you have done and the sins that you've committed, how can you be made right? Well, you need to be justified. How can you be justified? Well, as gracious gift he hands out to you, he redeems you in Christ Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross. I know this is a, a, a lot of theology, a lot of gospel theology just get used to it, okay? It's very important that we go over it and over it and over it. In fact, we will, as we go through the book of Romans, we'll come back to these themes over and over again. He uses a word in here that, that we don't use. Um, it's his redemption in Christ. Verse 25, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood uh, to be received by faith. The word propitiation, uh, one of my sons and I were talking about it this morning and we were, I was joking about, you, you never use this word. It's not a word um, that we use in our modern day vernacular here in the United States. We just, we just don't use it. And we we're talking about the idea of probably the best that we have is uh, covering up our trash, right? <laughs> Digging a hole and throwing our trash in it and covering it up. That's the best that we got. It's really not there because it's really not, uh, that effective. Why? Because the trash is still there, right? But the picture of the Old Testament for the word propitiation, it goes back to the Day of Atonement. 
And the Day of Atonement, the idea is that they would make sacrifice, and that sacrifice, the blood and the animal would would cover the sins. It was the idea that it would uh, wash it over. It would cover it in ways that it was taken care of. And so as we see the word propitiation, you think of the word cover. It's that sacrificial word of covering or the removal of sin. And how did that happen? How can our sins be removed? Uh, can I get a mulligan on that one? Um, Mulligan's not a very good word either. You know why? Because everybody saw the bad shot that you hit. And they know it was there. And even though maybe your score may not show it, um, it's you. And you did it. As you think about this, you realize that uh, God had his method, his atoning method, and it was Jesus' blood Uh, that you would trust in by faith. What a great thing. And God shows, it goes on to say that um, in middle of verse 25, this was to show that God's righteousness, uh, because of his divine forbearance, uh, he had passed over former sins. It was his way of making it right. Making it right. He was showing his kindness to you. His God-given kindness or forbearance, the idea that he was patient with you and kind to you. Um, this last verse, verse 25, this section, uh, it was to show the righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Um, I think that's interesting. So it's like uh, God is doing his own transaction here. Um, God is righteous, he's holy, he's just, has to punish sin. And so on one side, as you think about who God is, uh, he can't be unholy, he can't. And so there's a problem. If he is righteous and holy, and we are dead in our sins, unrighteous, we, we do all kinds of things, we, we do actions, but we also have thoughts and words that we share that are sinful. And how does a holy God get together with an unholy person. Righteous God, unrighteous people. How do they come together? Well, God says, I got an idea. It's my idea. And I'm not gonna trust in you to participate because I, I will be the one that will be just, but also the justifier. I, I will be just, but I will provide the way of justification. As you look at this, uh, verse 26, it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who puts his faith in Jesus. How, how does he become the justifier? In Jesus, in Jesus. I wanna tell you, uh, you're sinners the need to be righteous. So you need to be justified. There's only one way for you. It's in Jesus. This is the building of the case of the, the goodness of the gospel. Just and justify, which brings us to verse 27, faith in Christ. And these are, it's kind of, I, I always like to have three points just so I can stay on track, but Faith is throughout this passage, faith in Christ. 
Verse 27 says, uh, then what becomes of our boasting? What becomes of our boasting? Um, some people, uh, some people say that God has a sense of humor. Um, and most of the time when they describe that, they have some weird example. Uh, I, I think God does have a sense of humor. Did, did you just see it? Verse 27. Heaven is laughing out loud that we would be boasting about how great we are. Think about that. Think about that. As I said before, sometimes we uh, uh, talk about our, our spiritual life. Somebody asks us about it and you go, yeah, well, you know, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. You know, God's pretty impressed with what I did right now. You, you, know, I, uh, I, I, you know, I teach Sunday school. You know, that's probably pretty impressive to God. Are you getting the humor of this? <laughs> you know, I, I don't lie most of the time. I, I stole some things, but not, not for a long time. You know, and I, I paid, paid for them, so it's really not a sin, so I took care of them. And, and when, he, when you're talking about your own righteousness, there's a sense of like laughter that should come about. Because, it, it, you know, it, it's like a, a, a three-year-old boy with a cape on that says he's Superman. And he's bragging about what he can do and what he has done. And, and, and you know, parents roll their eyes and play along and whatever. And, you know, they take pictures so they can embarrass them at their wedding and stuff like that. Because it's a joke. It's make-believe. It's living in a fantasy world. And as we look at God's word, it says, then what becomes of our boasting? Why would we be boasting? Why would we? So um, when it comes, you know, one of the gospel questions is, you know, if if God were to ask a question, it's hypothetical. He's not going to ask you a question. He knows already. But if God would ask you, why should I let you into heaven? Um, Most people go right away. "Well, Well, I'm not that bad of a person. Haven't killed anybody. I just think that's a great one. Great. Are you getting ready to? You know, uh, um, I haven't killed anyone. I, I'm better than my brother or my sister. You know, I, I have, I, I com- when I compare myself, I feel like I'm better than them. And, and that all that is this boasting and this idea that says I'm good enough. I'm good enough. And that is a joke. That is a joke. We are not good enough. If you think you're good enough, reread up to this point in the book of Romans and ask the question, are you included in the sinners of this world? And if you are, you're unrighteous. So what do you bring for your salvation? Your unrighteousness? That's what you got. And so what becomes of our boasting? What becomes of it? It says in ESV, it says, it is excluded. It is excluded. There's nothing to talk about. Our boasting is insufficient when it comes to the idea of being righteous before God. He says this, that uh, 
this righteousness that we're desiring, um, he, he says, by what kind of law uh, is, there, is there a law? Is there something that says, and he says, by the law of works, pointing back to uh, obedience in the Old Testament? No, that's not going to work. No, by the law of faith. Well, faith in what? Faith in what? Faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus. Verse 29, or is God the God of the Jews only? Uh, is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Um, I love this because he connects those previous two chapters, one of the sinners outside of the um, God's chosen people and then the sinners inside of God's chosen people. And he says, is God, you know, just for the Jews? No. Is he just, it's the Gentiles also. Yes, it's the Gentiles also. Verse 30, since God is one who justifies, once again, makes right. Who does he make right? Circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Catch this, by faith, right? It's not just that he saves everyone. He does not. He does not. As you read, and we're going to go through the book of Romans, there is those outside of God's love. And it's not that he doesn't love them in a sense of in creation as well as extending the hand of salvation, but this, know this. It's those who have trusted him through faith, who believe in what Jesus did on the cross. Verse 31, do, do we then over... Throw the law by the, this faith, by no means, on the contrary, we uphold the law. The picture is this, and uh, there's this common theme of the law in the book of Romans that some would say, well, if, if this gospel is dependent on Jesus and Jesus is just found pointed to in the Old Testament, uh, in the Messiah, the one that is to come, the law doesn't mean anything anymore. And I want to tell you, he's saying, no, it does mean something. You just can't be saved by it. You just can't be saved. It's a, a portion of the gospel, meaning that it reveals that we are sinners, that we are sinners. The law gives us a picture that we, uh, th- there's, there's specific things that we have done wrong. The law has a permanent place, but not a place that saves us. I want to give you three uh, points just to uh, remember as you think through the gospel for your own life. And as I said before, I think this is very important for some of us today, really for all of us. If you have already trusted in Christ and you know all this, what a great review today and you to remember that we do not put our trust in all that we can do. Our trust is in what Jesus did on our behalf. So here we go. First thing to remember, being a sinner being a sinner. I think especially for those of you who have um, trusted in Christ long ago, um, your sins should still remind you. They should remind you, not in a guilt sense, not in a guilt sense, but in a common man sense. I'm just like these people, just like these people. Um, Some of you, some of you have a hatred for the Russians, hatred. Maybe it's even a generational thing. Um, I want to tell you, when you see a picture of Russian people, you can say, they're sinners. See, there's that sinner. Vladimir or Vitaly or whoever that guy's name is. He's a sinner. 
and I'm a sinner too. We have the same human heart, unrighteous, unrighteous. Being a sinner, you should never forget that. I, I, I've shared this with you before, and I, I'm, I'm, believe me, I'm for you. Uh, some of our men who work in law enforcement, especially your correctional officers, and there's a, there's a danger in you looking at people and saying, they're sinners. I'm not like them. I want to tell you there's a common human tragedy that we are sinners. Secondly, that salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ, not by works, not by works. So yesterday, yesterday uh, to do a memorial service, I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you. Um, you should go to more memorial services than you go to. Like whatever you've gone in the past, you should go to more in the future. And you say, why? I don't like going. It's good for you. It's good for you to go. And you say, well, why? Uh, Well, it's good for you to support the family if you would know them. Uh, Take some time out. Uh, But even um, an extra perk, a selfish perk for you to go to a memorial service is for you to think about your own life. You know, we, uh, when we think about our own lives, we have uh, events and pictures and things we've accomplished and certificates and, and things that we have done, and we, we like to collect those memorabilia, right? But there's also other things we throw away. You know, uh, you're really creepy if you do this, but as parents, do you put the F spelling test of your kids up on the refrigerator? And you tell your kids, we just want to remember that one right there. You know. We, no, we collect the things that we think tell us that we're a good boy, right? The, the works that we have done, right? And, and we like to pat ourselves on the back and we like to think of ourselves as good. But in the day of salvation, in the day of our death, um, salvation will only be by faith. Faith in Jesus. It's not what we've done. It's not, you know, those things will last one way or another. But this, but what is it? Have we trusted in Jesus? Not that we've been perfect. Not that we have done this, that, or the other thing. But that we have trusted in Christ. And so, remember being a sinner, but we also remember that salvation is by faith in Jesus, not by works. Not by works. And then lastly, I would say this. All praise to Jesus. All praise to Jesus. There's this quick transition in this passage. It's, it's startling. It's startling. It goes from everything that man is. Everything that man is. It's a, I want to say those first couple of ch- chapters are man-centered. I don't know, that may sound heretical that parts of the Bible are man-centered. It is. It's man-centered. And it's not like this great history, the first couple of chapters. It's all the dumb things and sinful things that man has done. And, and the depths of it, as we turn the corner here, all praise to Jesus. These words of, uh, 
the unrighteous being righteous, the just and the justifier, redeemed, propitiation. As you look at these words, they are not focused on what man can do. They're focused on what God has done in his son, Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, if you're saved today, if you have trusted in Christ, as you share that with somebody else, all praise to Jesus, right? Let me tell you what God has done in his son, Jesus Christ. He deserves all the credit, all of it. If there's anything that good coming out of your life right now, if anything, if you stand uh, redeemed, guilt-free today, all praise to Jesus. So for us this morning, remember being a sinner. Remember that salvation is by faith, not by works. And to remember, all praise to Jesus for what he has done in salvation. This morning, uh, I just want to remind you, I'm always available to talk. I love talking to you. I love talking to you about the important stuff of life. If you're struggling with this, if you're not sure, if you're not confident uh, that if you were to die today that you'd go into his glory, uh, I want to talk to you. Let's get that thing taken care of. Uh, this is the most important thing. I know you've got a lot of things that are important things to do. You've got to go get milk at Walmart or something this afternoon. I want to tell you, there's nothing more important in the state of your soul. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of the gospel that gives us confidence. God, help us to cling to you and to that message and your son Jesus. Uh, know that the spirit, your spirit, your Holy Spirit is working in us as well. God, we just ask that you would um, give us strength and courage for this week. We thank you uh, for the gospel that saves us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.